0: Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we talk with blogger and writer Chris Martin on doing social media to the glory of God.
1: If you can't find yourself using social media for any purpose outside of selfish gain, you need to stop. And I think you should kind of step back and say, okay, before I let myself re-engage with social media, what's my plan? Why would I start using social media again?
0: Hey, it's Isaac here. Hope you're all well. If you've been following us for a while, you'll know that this week, on Thursday, February 22nd, we're hosting our Let's Talk Marijuana event, asking the question, what is the Christian perspective on marijuana? Tune into our Facebook page at 7pm Pacific Time to watch the live stream, and check out Indo.ca for more details. Anyways, this week's conversation is really important, since we're talking about social media, which, for the most part, is familiar, probably too familiar, For most of us, how do we then use social media not for our own self-glory and to gain approval and acceptance, but, like all things, for the glory of God? Here's my helpful and practical conversation with Chris Martin. With me today is Chris Martin. Chris is an Author Development Specialist at LifeWay Resources. He's a writer himself as well, and he also heads up LifeWay Social, so it's good to have you on the show today,
1: Chris. Thanks so much for having me, Isaac. It's really fun to be on.
0: Uh, firstly, tell us a bit about yourself. Who is uh, who is Chris Martin? Perhaps a short version also of your testimony. That'd be cool.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from a town uh, called Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's in the extreme sort of northwest northeast corner of Indiana. Um, And I grew up there. My wife also grew up there. We met in the eighth grade, became friends, and uh, had a great um, my my home was really great growing up. My parents were believers, and and had me going to church from a young age. And I think you know, to kind of to kind of uh, splice in my testimony as I just kind of tell about myself generally. um, I I think you know, I prayed uh, I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was in about fourth grade. I remember the pastor of my church talking about what it meant to become a Christian, but I never I felt like there had to be this sort of step-by-step process and it felt like he never really told us exactly what that was. And so I was I remember being very frustrated because I wanted to make sure I got it exactly right and didn't mess anything up. And so I always hesitated to become a Christian because I didn't know exactly what it meant. I usually kind of say, I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was in fourth grade. So if you tend to think that's a time of becoming a Christian that might be what it means, but i don't I don't think I really truly believe that Jesus died for me then, even though I said that prayer and maybe lived a Christian life and went to church and all of those things i I was a good kid because practically it just makes more sense to be a good kid. <laughs> yeah. You don't get grounded from hanging out with your friends when you're a good kid. You totally. don't get in trouble. Um so I was a good kid, kind of just out of a selfish, practical sense. <laughs> um, and so I, th- I really think it's in around my junior year of high school that I um, came to acknowledge God as actual Lord of my life, and I started to live with a sort of eternal purpose in mind. So I usually point to my junior year of high school is when I actually became a Christian and and started to let the Lord lead me, um, rather than just kind of say, oh yeah, I want to believe this because I don't want to go to hell kind of an idea. So, um, so yeah, I grew up in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I went to Taylor University for college. It's a small Christian liberal arts school, like a Wheaton college, but in the middle of cornfields in Indiana. Um, Both my wife and I went there. I got a degree in biblical literature there. And then um, was looking for a place to go to seminary, was looking at a couple places kind of around Indiana, um, and was looking at uh, like uh, Trinity and Southern. And then a job came open at Lifeway Christian Resources, which I really didn't know a whole lot about. But I knew the guy who was hiring for it, Ed Stetzer. He needed a social media guy. And I'd read his blog during college and followed him on social media and really liked what he had to say. So I applied and said i could I could live in nashville and and do my seminary degree from like the Nashville Distance Learning campus for Southern or something like that. And so um, that was September of twenty thirteen, just a few months after my wife and I got married. And graduated college. So in September 2013, I got the job at Lifeway. We moved down to Nashville, which neither one of us had been to Nashville before, outside of when I came for my interview. So it was kind of scary. We were like seven and a half hours away from all of our family, and um, and so we've been in Nashville since 2013. And I've had a couple different jobs at Lifeway since then. And um, I I blog personally at a site called MillennialEvangelical.com, and uh, and I coach authors, church leaders, Christian nonprofit leaders on basically anyone who wants to use their social media platform to glorify God more than glorify themselves, I come alongside them and coach them. So sometimes that's authors because of my role at LifeWay. Sometimes that's churches or Christian organizations that are just sort of nonprofit or mission organizations. So that's kind of the long and short of what I do, and then I actually graduated from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary with my MDiv in, nice. in May of last year. So yeah, so I'm done with my MDiv now. It's cool! Great. Yeah.
0: Well, congratulations! There you go! Thanks! Um, and yeah. you know, it's so cool, when I came across, you know, just to listeners, as uh, Chris was sort of talking about this idea of helping coach authors and, and things like that, in regards to social media for God's glory, uh, he's talking about Lifeway Social. Um, and when I came across Lifeway Social, I was super pumped to see because I was like, "Man, this is a this is a need right now." Uh, I think among lots of Christian leaders and Christian authors who want to maximize their. Um, you know, I guess their influence. Uh, but there's a really fine line, which this this is kind of what we're talking about here. This is a fine line when we're talking about uh, your influence and popularity and, you know, gaining sort of this followership in a sense. So anyways, I, I'm really thankful for what you do, uh, helping kind of point authors and Christian leaders and hopefully all of us listening as well uh, to really use your social media to God's glory. So anyways, for the majority uh, of millennials, Chris and I think you'd agree, uh, and even more so with Gen Zers, that sort of next uh, generation after millennials, social media is second nature. Um, not only is it just second nature, but there seems to be this this craving for it. There's this satisfaction with it. There's a feeling like they just can't live uh, without it. So the first question is pretty simple, I think. Why do you think so many millennials and uh, Generation Zers look to social media for this kind of fulfillment?
1: Yeah, I think ultimately it's rooted in just the human need for approval, uh, and human need for a desire to be liked by other people. Um, Generations of people, Americans and non-Americans throughout history, have had a desire to be approved by other people. Uh, That's taken many different manifestations over history, and you know, you could cite all kinds of ways that we seek approval from other people. I think in twenty first century. Western, uh, civilization, whether that be United States, Canada, or anywhere else where social media is really prisoned. Um, I think social media has become that way. We seek to be approved by other people. So for millennials, you know, like I'm, I was born in 1990. I'm 27 years old. Um, I, my dad worked at IBM growing up, which if you're not familiar is a big like computer. Right. Yep. computer company in the United States in the 1990s were like the kings of the personal computer world. I mean, they, most people had IBM computers. Um, and so I grew like I had, there was a computer in my home from the, from as early as I, you know, earlier than most people even use computers today outside of like tablets and stuff. Right. I remember playing like Sesame Street, hide and go seek games on a computer in like 1995.
0: Uh, all your friends wanted to come over to your house probably. Exactly. And yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, so for a lot of millennials and now Gen Zers, like we just grew up with this stuff. We're what Neil Prinsky and his, I think, it, or Dan Dan Prinsky says in a journal article from 2001. We're digital natives. Um, you know, we we you know, and some people have said, well, now Gen Zers are the true digital natives. I think they're maybe more like the mobile natives. Right, um, right. You know, we we millennials are kind of digital natives in that we grew up with computers in our home. We grew up with the internet in our home, and that that you know, I just I just finished writing a book, and it's about to be released, um, called Ministering to Millennials, and it, it's really about helping pastors and church leaders better understand, reach, and equip millennials for ministry, and the kind of hinge, really, the the cornerstone of what makes millennials different from every other generation in, in American history that I have found is the internet. The prevalence of the internet is everything. Um, it's It's what distinguishes us from everyone else and makes us different from everyone else. It's what makes us think we can change the world. People in 19, you know, an American growing up in in Des Moines, Iowa in 1960 was generally going to grow up thinking like other people in their community. Um, They're going to think like people that they go to the grocery store with and go to church with. And they're largely gonna look like people in their communities because most people back then weren't engaging, most people in Des Moines, Iowa weren't trading ideas with people in Brooklyn, New York in 1960. It just wasn't common. And so, but now, you know, I grew up getting on internet forums and playing video games with people from all over the world. And I was being exposed to Buddhist ideas and atheist ideas long before someone in 1960 was. And so I think, you know, your question's focusing specifically on why do we have this sort of craving for pleasure and satisfaction? I think really it, that is ultimately rooted in the, just the human desire to be liked. Instagram provides that in all kinds of ways. And, and so so I think, you know, I think ultimately it goes back to that. But it provides a sort of dopamine hit, a sort of drug hit that when we see that red notification uh, signal on Instagram, Facebook Twitter or otherwise when we see that that one or that five light up and it's like oh man people are paying attention to me sometimes it's negative sometimes it's positive regardless people are acknowledging i exist and that's a really powerful feeling and um and i think you know millennials and gen, gen zers feel that but I see a lot of people my parents' age be just as addicted to it too.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, t- two comments on what you were saying. Uh, first one, it's it's Jen Zedder's, Chris, just want to let you know. <laughs> right. Just oh, so okay. you know, right? right. We're up in Vancouver. Right. Uh, and the second part, uh, I'm just you know commenting on that fact of the you know the dopamine hits of the little red marks. And I think we can all agree that when we see that notification up in Facebook and you're so excited, you click it, and it's just like. A reminder to an event coming up. You're like, oh, right. dang! What is this? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. not what I was um, hoping no. for. Yeah. Right. Anyway, right. so like I already said, the point of all this um, is that we want to we want to come to an understanding uh, to this kind of place where we can use our our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter accounts for uh, God's glory. And I think in some ways, even just that saying we want to do this for God's glory almost sounds a little bit ambiguous. Um, first of all, what do we kind of mean when we say? We want to do something, anything to God's glory.
1: Sure. So what I say, what I mean when I say it is, you know, it's really easy to build a sort of online platform. And first, before we go any further, I know that the word or the phrase online platform is like a dirty word or a dirty phrase to some people. Um, get over it. There is no better word to use. So it has to be the word that we use because uh, we could say online presence. We could say whatever you want. But building an online platform, I think, is a pretty neutral enterprise outside of our sin, which taints everything. Um, But I think building an online platform to the glory of God or for, like I sometimes say, for kingdom good uh, really looks like this. Um, A lot of people build an online platform to promote themselves, whether that be promoting a book or promoting an event or promoting something else about themselves. It's all about getting attention, fame, fortune, or something like that. And at some points, you know, if you're an author or whatever, there are seasons in which you, to do due diligence for your publisher, you need to promote a book or you need to do this or that. It's not bad to do that, but some people get on social media for the sole purpose of uh, of selfish acclaim, of acclaim, of, of attention that makes them feel good, look important, and get rich or something to that effect. Uh, I think that's problematic, and I've seen too much of that in Christian circles. Um, when I talk about using social media for the glory of God or using social media for kingdom good, I'm talking about using social media in such a way that serving others is more of a focus than serving yourself. So, I see social media as simply another avenue, a twenty first century avenue to use the gifts God has given us to serve other people. So, when I'm coaching people to use social media, when I'm coaching Christian leaders in whatever sphere they're in, author, pastor, or otherwise, I am saying God has given you a gift, whether that's to write or to speak or, um, to have knowledge about how to disciple your children or to know how to better do world missions from a, from the United States perspective or whatever. God has given you some sort of knowledge, talent, gifting that you've been using in, in physical manifestation ways, whether you're writing books or leading a church or speaking around the world or whatever. Um, social media is just simply another avenue for you to do that. So if God has given you another avenue in which you can use your gifts to serve the global church, how could you turn that down? We're not—you know, when I when I work with authors and really Christian leaders in general on social media, I tend to find people on one of two ends of the spectrum. Either they don't engage in social media at all because they're too afraid of being self-promotional, and they see it as being an inherently self-promotional enterprise, or on the other end of the spectrum, all they're interested in doing is being self-promotional. And that first person is not engaging because they don't want to be that second person. Right. (laughs) Um, so, so usually they're, the people are on one of two ends of the spectrum. My goal is I try to coach Christian leaders to use social media for kingdom good is not to encourage them to promote themselves all the time or to completely abstain unless, you know, they have to, you know, put some sort of protection to avoid sin. Um, if, if there's a way for them to engage in social media, in a way that helps them use the gifts God has given them to serve other people and ultimately make much of Him, then I think we're kind of obligated to use the gifts God has given us, because otherwise we're just squandering them and using them for ourselves or not using them at all.
0: Right, yeah, that's good, that's so good. And how would you, for, for someone to understand that social media is a an, an avenue, a medium for kingdom good or, or the glory of God to be actually used in, how would you convince someone or just, you know, reveal to someone that social media actually is a new medium? Because I think that's where the, the hard part is for a lot of us. It's just, it's this new thing. And we've just seen a lot of maybe bad in regards to it. So we can't, we're, we sort of, we have blinders on, we can't see it as being used for good.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would point, you know, someone who has trouble seeing it be used for good. I would point to dozens of examples of how it has been used for good. Um, the Ministry of Desiring God, the Ministry of the Gospel Coalition, the, all of these different global ministries that have inspired people to go into ministry or have helped people get through difficult situations or have helped pastors lead their church through difficult uh, times, or, or cultural moments that they didn't really know how to navigate. All of these resources that we're blessed with through these major international organizations or um, or other smaller folks who are just kind of doing it out of their own houses or whatever. I, I really think there are dozens of, of ministries and, um, and opportunities we have to learn from other people around the globe and to um, better understand who God is and what he's done for us that wouldn't exist if we just kind of stayed away from social media completely. I have a few friends who stay—I think I should say social media sh- isn't for everyone. Um, it shouldn't be engaged in—you If you know, I have a couple friends who don't use social media anymore um, at all. They've kind of—they det- still write—you know, they'll still write a blog because they feel like the Lord has given them the gift to write, and they want to bless people with that. But social media really became a stumbling block for them. I think if you do go to social media for this constant dopamine hit of affection from other people and affirmation from other people, and you don't go to it as a means to serve other people, then you probably need to take a step back and do some self-examination on that. Do some heart, do, look, look at your own heart, ask some other people to hold you accountable in that. Um, because if if social media is ultimately going to be a stumbling block to you it's not worth serving other people to be a stumbling block, right? I mean, most guys shouldn't go to a strip club to do evangelism. (laughs) Like you don't go to some place that's going to cause you to sin just because you feel called to use your gifts in a certain way. Um, In the same way, social media really shouldn't, you should not be engaging in social media if you find yourself constantly sort of lusting after this affirmation of other people. But if you're, and, and I have definitely been at that spot at certain points in my life. But if you can go to social media with the, with the primary goal of using your knowledge or speaking ability or, or writing ability or whatever to serve the church and encourage the church or educate the church, um, I think you should engage in it. So I think, I think there are some social media monks or whatever who, who should stay away. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't think you're a bad person if you don't engage. But I think if if you don't find yourself, you know um, sinning and looking for this affirmation that should really be filled by God, um, then I think you I think you should find a way to use social media to serve.
0: That's good. That's really good, Chris. Now, say uh, a young twenty-something. He comes up to you. He says, "Hey, uh, Chris, I I want you to coach me. But I'm not an author. I'm not a writer. But I use Instagram and I use Facebook like all my friends and my family do. But I I struggle with you know uh, using it for my affirming my own value and my worth. So so coach me. What are what are some practical ways now for everybody that you would give to us to help us?" When we're not, you know, we're not an organization or anything like that. We are just a single person. Uh, we love Jesus, but we also struggle with, you know, seeking our own glory on social media.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say stop using it until you can kind of maybe get your heart in the right place where um, where you say, okay, I'm going, I, I say stop using it until you have a plan. Um, I think too many of us are using social media without a plan. We're using it unintentionally. Um, you know, we're just mindlessly scrolling or mindlessly looking stuff up or trying to find old, you know, friends or, or people that we used to like or liked us or whatever. I mean, I think people can use social media in all kinds of destructive ways if we're not using it intentionally. Um, and so I think if you, if you're using social media just as a sort of like affirmation machine, you know, to try to get people to love you or to try to feel better about yourself, you need to stop delete the apps. Um, but I think, but I think, um, you know from there, if you can or you know, and maybe if you have self-control, you don't need to delete the apps or whatever. but but if you can't find yourself using social media for any purpose outside of selfish gain, you need to stop. And I think you should kind of step back and say, okay, before I let myself re-engage with social media, what's my plan? why why would I start using social media again? So I've had some friends who have, taken a long break from social media and have decided to come back. and they come back with a clear objective of why they're using social media. Sometimes they've you know completely started a new Twitter account because they're like, I use this Twitter account for selfish gain and I don't want any of the followers that I gained with what I was saying. so I'm gonna open up this new thing and and start all over basically and sort of start with a fresh start. So like I think whatever it takes, take a step back whether you completely get off or you, um, or you just kind of you know say I'm only going to use it one day a week or whatever. Take a little bit of a break. Come up with a plan and say, okay, you know I have I have a lot. You know uh, the Lord's gifted me to um, to talk about student ministry. Let's say you know let's say you have some experience in student ministry and you say I want to use my social media presence for the kingdom of God by helping others do student ministry better. So you decide I'm gonna start a blog about how to do student ministry and I'm gonna reset up my Twitter account and only start, you know, start sharing content that helps people better do student ministry. I'm gonna open up my Facebook page, my you know, you set up whatever Instagram, whatever social media accounts you think are appropriate for the audience you're trying to serve, and you say, I'm going to start providing content that isn't about me is isn't about how awesome I am or how cool my life is or how attractive I am or whatever it is, but I'm going to start creating content that's helping people do student ministry better. And that's the other thing, too. When when I'm coaching people, the first question I ask, really, I'll kind of give you the—I think of it like a Venn diagram. Okay. So when you're building an online platform for the glory of God or for kingdom good, however you want to think about it, when you're trying to use social media to serve people— there are three questions you should be asking yourself. The first question is, who is my audience? That's really just kind of like a census demographic discussion. Are they male or female? Are they ages 13 to 23 or 23 to 33? You know, who, who you know like what people would fill out on a census? You know, are they from these areas? Do they look like this? Do they talk like this? What are they typically interested in? Just kind of like a demographic understanding of who your audience is. That's the first question. The second question is, what are the felt needs of that audience? So if you're creating content to help people with student ministry, if we keep that idea going, okay, so your audience is typically going to be, you know, maybe 25 to 45-year-old student pastors, okay? So then the needs of that, the felt needs of that audience are going to be Understanding how to connect with people who are half my age, um, understanding how to preach better, understanding how to lead community groups, not really feeling adequate for being in a pastor you know, all of these felt needs that a student pastor has, list those out, you know? Mm. Third circle is how has the Lord gifted me? What has the Lord gifted me with? You know sometimes you know there might be two columns in that in that list. There might be he's gifted me to speak, but not really to write. and he's gifted me with the knowledge of how student ministry works well. So then maybe what you're doing is you decide to create a YouTube channel instead of a blog because you're not really a good writer, but you're a good speaker and you're good in front of camera. And so you create a YouTube channel on how to do student ministry better with the focus on reaching twenty five to forty five year old student pastors who have this set of needs. If you think about it, of those two of those three circles are others focused, not self-focused. It's who am I trying to serve and what are their needs. Only one of those circles is focused on who I am and how the Lord has gifted me, which ultimately isn't even about me. It's about how the Lord has gifted me. Yeah, the Lord gives those gifts to use to serve others, not to just use for ourselves. And so I think, When you're building an online platform, when you're trying to use social media to serve other people, whether you look at that as a platform or not, um, if you're having trouble with constantly seeking affirmation, take a step back. And then when you re-engage, if you decide to re-engage, say, okay, who am I trying to serve? What are their needs? How has the Lord gifted me? And how can I use this social media platform to be intentional about serving those people instead of serving myself?
0: That's so good, Chris. Thank you so much for that. And I, as, as you're saying that, I, I'm just thinking: culture tells us to start an Instagram account or Facebook account because you're supposed to, and that's right. what you have to do. But you're saying start an Instagram account to serve the world right. for God's glory, which is a huge perspective change, uh, right? In regards to what you. Post. And
1: I mean, I should be clear too. You know, I'm talking about when you're trying, when you have a message, when you have a gift, you're trying to use. I don't think it's wrong to have an Instagram account just to keep up with friends or to share goofy, like I have an Instagram account and I just share pictures of my dog all the time. (laughs) Like, you know, but I don't, I, I don't have a problem. You know, I don't delete the app from my phone because I don't judge my self worth based on if picture of my dog gets 15 likes or not, you know, like, um, not even a little bit, No, 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 no. no. It's okay. I, I know my dog is cute. If you can't figure that out, that's your own problem. Um, so I don't think it's wrong to use social media for connecting with friends and things like that. You know, I, But I think if, if you're finding self-worth in it, there's a serious heart issue that you should probably get worked out by taking a break from social media, then continuing to mindlessly engage in it.
0: That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for your wisdom and time today. I really do appreciate it. If you're interested, by the way, if you're listening, uh, in LifeWay Social, which, I mean, Chris just sort of gave us a peek into some of the stuff that he does, helping ask questions uh, and think through the ways that you use social media. Uh, maybe you do have a message and you want further help and you really enjoyed what Chris had to say, check out LifeWay Social. And even if you don't want to get actual formal coaching, uh, they have blogs there that use free resources for you to take. So definitely go there. LifeWaySocial.com. Uh, you can check that out. And also, uh, Chris mentioned about this new book that's coming out sometime this year, you said, Chris?
1: Yeah, yeah, it should okay. be coming out in the next couple of months. I don't have the exact date, but yeah, sure. Ministering to Millennials is what it's called.
0: That's awesome. I know that for some of you, that's going to be very interesting. Uh, so we'll keep updated on that as well. But anyways, thank you so much, Chris. Hope to have you back on the show again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks. Man. It was a good talk to you.
0: That was Chris Martin, and you can find out more by clicking the links on our episode page. Also, Chris has that book coming out this year called Ministering to Millennials, which sounds awesome, so if that interests you, be sure to follow Chris on Twitter, which you can find him at ChrisMartin17. Again, perhaps you're only catching this last part of the conversation and missed the beginning of this episode. This Thursday, February 22nd at 7pm is our Let's Talk Marijuana event, asking the question, what is the Christian perspective on marijuana? You can head to our Facebook page at 7 p.m. Pacific time on that day, Thursday, February 22nd, to watch for our live stream post or attend the event in person in Surrey, B.C. It's free. Uh, You can go to Indout.ca to find more details. If Indoubt is a ministry you'd like to support financially, which would be awesome, just follow the simple instructions by clicking the Donate button and then the I Listen to Indout" option at Indout.ca if you live in Canada or Indout.com if you live in the States. Connect with us online this week by heading to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, finding us on there. Let us know your thoughts about today's conversation. Well, I'm Isaac, and we'll see you next week as we have another important conversation on an issue of life and faith.